Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message concludes our one series with Pastor Omar Lopez in a message entitled One Journey. Now, if you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, give us a follow at PC Paramount and then check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com. Enjoy this message. Again, we're on our last uh, message here. I've really enjoyed one. And uh, last week, if you were here, we, t- we talked about the woman that was uh, at the feet of Jesus. She per- poured that perfume at his feet. And uh, as she was weeping, wiping, and worshiping, people were talking about her. But she had genuine worship. She had grateful worship, right? And she had generous worship. That one moment of worship changed her life and change all of our lives as we read that story. And so this morning, I'm going to share a story with you that I believe it will really challenge you, really minister to you. Uh, because one moment, one piece of the puzzle, one decision can change your life. One person can make a difference. And when we think about life, just all about life, life is a journey that is filled with different seasons. How many already know that? There are ups and downs, there are challenges, there are heartaches, there are joys, there are celebrations, uh, uh, all of these things. But ultimately, God is with us, no matter what's happening, no matter what's going on in our lives. And here's the thing about life. You get one shot, man. Make it count. And so I want to read a verse of scripture here out of Ephesians chapter 5. It's not my text, but I want to read something here that I believe we can glean from. It says, be very careful. Say careful. That means you need to be alert. He's kind of making us, kind of giving us a warning. Be alert, be aware. He said, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. In other words, don't be foolish in your thinking. Get some wisdom. Making the most of every opportunity. Another verse translation says, redeeming the time or making it count. Because what? The days are evil. If you've been around lately, you know it's evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Again, he says, don't be foolish. But understand what the, the Lord's will is basically for your life. So I'm going to pray. God, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that your word applies to our life. God, there are people sitting in this room in different states of mind and different circumstances today, situations, maybe navigating through things right now that are even hard to process. But God, I pray that the word today would bring clarity. The word of God would bring direction, would bring encouragement guidance to people right now and lord that the people would hear the voice behind the voice today that the holy spirit would speak into their situation and god that they'll be open to it and so i thank you in jesus name and everyone said amen how many of you have ever flown in an airplane you guys didn't many many of you how many are terrified of airplane planes i mean yeah i'm all right we got honest people here and there's always these things when you fly on an airplane uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's like the pilot, they're always so calm, you know. And so one of the things that they do and that I hate to hear is they'll say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, there's a 30-minute delay uh, because we're having mechanical problems. I'm thinking, I don't care about mechanical problems. And now that there's mechanical problems, guess what? I want to get off the plane, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't want to be 35,000 feet up in the air dealing with 
mechanical problems. If you've ever been on a plane where there's a lot of turbulence, you ever been where the plane's going crazy and it's bouncing up and down, and, and you know, you, you, the pilot comes on and goes, ladies and gentlemen, we're experiencing a little bit of turbulence, uh, uh, you know, just for the next half hour, and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die, you know, and, and think the plane's going up and down, people are in panic, and people are doing the sinner's prayer, the Lord's prayer, they're doing everything. I'm calling my wife, apologizing to her, the whole thing. So that's what happens, and yet everything seems to be calm, in their perspective, but in our perspective, it's chaotic. In our perspective, we're wondering, man, how are we going to make this through? How are we going to do all of this? And even in today's situation, even even where right now we're in the middle of a pandemic, it seems every time you turn around, there's something going on, some kind of national tragedy, some type of racial thing going on, connected to something. You're going, my goodness, everything is racial. You know, even math is racial, I guess. Uh, all these different things, uh, uh, this thing, this natural disaster. And every time you turn on the news and, you know, it can't, can't be the virus. Now there's another type of virus. Like, shut up already. You know, all these different things. And, and yet, you know, it makes you wonder. Uh, it, it could feel like, man, we are helpless and often, you often wonder, is God really in control? There are people today that are experiencing anxiety. They're experiencing loss. They're experiencing stress and loneliness. And it seems to be more lows than there is highs. And one of the Christians' response, and I've said it before, is God is in control. And I know it's easy to say that, but for some of you, say, yeah, well, I've got some tough things going on in my life. It doesn't seem like God's in control. Pastor, I'm just going to tell you, be honest. I mean, it's a great word of encouragement, but I have to question, is God really in control? Especially when you're going through the suffering and going through the pain, it's hard to see and understand if God is really in control. And I'm going to read a verse of scripture. Again, this is one of my favorite stories. I know I told you a few weeks ago, my favorite story was the four leprous men. But honestly, I'm going to be honest. This is my favorite story in the Bible. Now, that could change in a couple of weeks. I don't know. But today, no, this is one of the first stories that I heard coming to church, and, and it just resonated with me. And uh, it covers a number of chapters in the book of Genesis. In fact, it covers, they give him like almost 25% of Genesis is dedicated to this young man, Joseph, because I, I believe we're supposed to learn something from it. I believe we're supposed to glean something from it that uh, we're supposed to get because Joseph's life really kind of tells us that it's one journey. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning, one journey, one journey in life. And he makes this statement uh, toward the end of his life. So I'm going to start from the end and go back to the beginning. But he says this statement. I love it. Most of us, we know this statement in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. But as for you, you meant it evil against me. He was talking to his brothers. But God meant it for good. In order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. And again, we sing songs, you know, the, the enemy meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. There's also a New Testament one in Romans chapter 8, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So we claim those, we speak that, and we do believe 
and the divine providence of God. We believe that God is large and in charge, that, that God today, no matter what's happening, that God takes all the circumstances, all the ups and downs in our life, and somehow by his spirit and grace, he puts them together to work for our good. Uh, we believe that God is still working. Uh, the invisible hand of God is working in the midst of our pain and in the midst of our chaos many times. Uh, and somehow the Lord is going to work it through. Now think about this today. And it's really the question I want to ask you. How would your outlook change? How would your perspective be different if you really believe? That no matter what's happening in your life, that God is with you. If you really believe that. If you really believe the term that God is with you. Whatever circumstance that's happening in your life, whatever has gone on in your life, you actually believe that God is with you. That means when you got a divorce, God is with you. When you lost that job, God is with you. When you failed that test, God is with you. When you were overlooked in that promotion and the boss's in-law got the job and you look and go, God is with me. Hallelujah. All right. When that other girl got promoted, God is with me. Hallelujah. The other person got the home. God is with me. Amen. The other person driving that car. God is with me. Hallelujah. And you're driving the Toyota and they're driving the whatever. Amen. And nothing wrong with Toyotas. Okay. And all of these things, God is with you. Even the disability you may be born with, God is with. If you actually believe that God has the plan for your life, and as painful as things may be right now, suppose for a minute that you believe that God is with you. Now, some of you said, Pastor, I don't know. Okay, just dismiss all that. Let's just, let's just suppose you really believe that God is with you. This is why Joseph, at the end of his life, could say what the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for good. Because let's be honest, sometimes bad things happen to good people. And here's the other thing. Sometimes really, really good things happen to bad people. Like, oh, yeah, you don't deserve that. Let's be honest. And yet you're good, bad's happening to you, and they're bad, and good keeps happening to them. You're like, my goodness, you know. Let's be honest. And when we look in the word of God, we say, how did this make sense? And so in Joseph's life, and we look at his story, and we're going to talk about his story here in just a minute, we get to see, we get to get a, so a viewpoint of what's happening in his life. And somehow in the midst of everything that is happening, God is with Joseph. And so when you go to the beginning of the story of Joseph, it's found in Genesis chapter 37. You don't have to read it now. Uh, you can go home and read it later. But in that chapter, the Bible says that Joseph has 11 brothers. Him and his little brother are born to a woman by the name of Rachel. Abraham had the wife by the name of Rachel. But the other 10 kids are born from three other women. Talk about a blended family. How many know it's already to have, it's bad to have an ex-wife, but how, how about to have three, three of them? And so all of these women and all of these boys... And yet the Bible says in the midst of 12 brothers all together, Joseph is second to the youngest. Jacob, his dad, has this favor. He loved Joseph more than the rest of them. And this is the dysfunction. 
all of us have some dysfunctions in our family. It's not perfect, let's be honest. And even in blended families and, and, and families that are not blended, there's dysfunction. It doesn't matter. I'm here to encourage you. I, that's why I love the Bible, because God shows us in the Bible. In the Bible, these families are so messed up. That gives you hope, doesn't it? If you think your family's messed up, just start reading the Bible. You'll find out, man, my family's not bad at all. You'll get inspired start reading the Bible, I'm telling you. Because you read those stories, you go, my God. And yet God still used them. Yet God still worked through them, believe it or not. And so the Bible says there's a man by the name of Jacob, the, the dad, and he loved Joseph. He favors him in front of everybody else. Now, it's one thing to favor your kids and love one kid more than the other in your heart. But when you start showing it, man, that, you got a problem. That's a dysfunctional dad. And apparently, whenever Joseph walks in the room, Jacob lights up, man. He loves, he loves his son, Joseph. And the Bible says he makes him a coat of many colors. It's a long coat. It's colorful. It has all of these things. And really, uh, uh, that coat belonged to the older brother. And the rest of them, you know, they got clothes from, you know, on clearance from Target and from Ross and everything else. But he gave them a handmade coat. And the coat represented authority. And usually it went to the older son. And when you got the coat, you didn't have to do all the spaniel labor. So he got a chance to stay home and play on PlayStation. And the other ones went out and had to work the field. And here's what's going on. There is this favoritism and there's this imbalance in the family. And the Bible said that his brothers, man, they hate him. Then he starts having a dream. And the dream is that they're out, you know, getting their wheat together. And the sheaf of wheat that they gather together and they make it stand up, that his sheaf stands up above everybody else. And all the, uh, the, in the dream, his brother's sheep are bowing down. And so his brother said, oh, so now you're going to rule over us. We're going to bow down to you one day. Then he has another dream. He goes, the sun, moon, and the stars are all bowing. He goes, oh, so mom, dad, and all of us are now bowing down. Man, little brother, I can't wait to get you, man. I'm going to get you one day. And sure enough, the opportunity comes when all the brothers are working out somewhere and they're, you know, they're off their manual labor, taking, getting dirty, grimy. And then they, Jacob sends his son, uh, Joseph, to go check on them. And he gets on the ATV. He's the only one that has one. He drives all the way over there. And they're all grimy. They're all looking at, you know, he's like Justin Bieber. He's got the hair going, the coat, you know. And he comes out, hey, guys, I'm just coming to check on you. Are you guys thinking about my dream? They go, man, they get tired of him. They throw him in the pit. The Bible says they're about to kill him. And one of the older brothers says, you know what? Let's not kill him. And they end up selling him into slavery. They sell him into slavery. And this is the first time we read this verse in Genesis chapter 39. This is what it says. And it's, in a, it's a great verse. In verse number two, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord. I, did you hear that? He just got thrown in a pit. Now he's sold into slavery. And the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. I mean, how did that sound? I mean, can you imagine Joseph hearing that? He goes, God, it sounds like you were more with them than with me. I'm, I'm getting sold into slavery. How could this even work out? And then the Bible says, not only does the Bible say that God is with him, 
But this man that buys him uh, by the name of Potiphar, Potiphar is in charge of Pharaoh's army. He's the captain of his army. He buys him at the slave market. And look at what it said in Genesis 39.5. And Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hand. So he had made him overseer in his house and put him in charge of all that he had. So Potiphar, being someone that he wasn't even walking with God, he saw that the Lord was with Joseph. And so here is this place in his life where maybe Joseph is feeling forsaken, where Joseph was feeling abandoned, and yet the scripture says that God was with him. And things seem to be going well because he has the favor there in the eyes of his master. He's in charge, he's the overseer. But then this is where the story gets really juicy. Are you ready for this? Really gets crazy right here. Because all of a sudden enters Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar's wife, this is the Bible, she has the hots for him. She sees this hunk of Hebrew and says, man, I need to get him. That's what basically, Bible said that he was, uh, he was good in appearance and he was strong in form. And if I can give you kind of what it, that would look like, it would be like if you can get my DNA and Isaac's DNA together and imagine what kind of person that would look. I mean, if we, somehow we can blend our DNA, good looks, built, everything. That, that's, that's kind of the best, can, that's the best illustration I can give you guys, okay? So anyway, she comes in, and, you know, she's got her painted-on jeans or whatever it is, her high heels or, you know, skimpy dress or a blouse or whatever it is. And she comes to him, and she propositions him. And, I mean, she's direct. It's not like a little come-on line, like, hey, how's it going? Nothing. You know, she just says, come to bed with me. Come lie with me in Genesis 39, 7. And the Bible says that Joseph won't do it. He said, I'm not going to betray my master. You belong. You're my master's wife. And I'm not going to betray God. I cannot do this thing. I will not do this thing. And again, we always assume that this woman is good-looking. Now, she could have looked like Jabba the Hutt. I don't know. But she was probably a good-looking lady. And so she was probably trying to seduce him and trying to get him. And so the Bible says she did it daily. Finally, she cornered him one day, and, and he had to run from her. I mean, when you got to run, I mean, she grabbed his robe, and she held on to his robe. And the Bible says that she made up a story. And the story was that when the master came, he said, this Hebrew kid tried to rape me. And I, got, I grabbed a hold of his robe. If you've ever heard the statement, hell has no fury like a woman that has been scorned. Man, when a woman feels disrespected or if a woman doesn't feel like she got her way, she'll get you back. And she did. And the Bible says that Potiphar throws him in prison. Be patient with me because I'm going somewhere. Bible says he throws them in prison, but look at what God does. He even adds to it in Genesis 39, verse 29, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and what? Showed him steadfast love. Now, if I'm Joseph, I'm saying, God, can you love me a little less, please? Because now I'm in prison. Not only was I a slave, not only was I betrayed by my brothers, but now I'm in prison. And look at what the Bible says while he's in prison. We hear the term again 
in Genesis 39:22, and God gave him favor with the keeper of the prison, and the keeper put Joseph, what, in charge of all the prisoner. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because what? The Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Again, I asked you the question, how would your attitude change? How would your outlook change if you really believe God was with you? If you really believe that no matter what's happening in your life, whatever circumstance, situation, if you really believe that God was with you. And so the Bible says uh, that while he's in prison, uh, that two of the, uh, uh, of the, of the workers, the two of the uh, servants of Pharaoh are put in prison with him. They're the baker and the butler. I won't get into details, but he interprets their dream. And uh, the baker ends up being called up by Pharaoh. And, uh, you know, uh, here's Joseph saying, don't forget about me. And you know what? For two years, he forgot about him. And the scripture said one day Pharaoh had the dream and he can't. He can't get the interpretation. The dream is seven cows come, seven cows come out, healthy cows come out of, of, of the water, and then seven other unhealthy cows come out, and the seven unhealthy eat the healthy cows. And they turn to Pharaoh and say, eat more chicken. No, that's not what he says. But they, 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 they yeah, it's a Chick-fil-A thing. But anyway, anyways, what they do, I'm sorry. But anyway, what they do is, what, why am I doing this? So, so here's what happens. The baker, he has an aha moment. He goes, you know what? I know someone that can interpret that dream. I was in prison and he interpreted my dream. Finally, two years later, you remembered, man. My goodness, I'm glad you don't work for 911. I'd be dead by now. Amen. But thank you for, for calling me up. And he calls him up. And the Bible says that Joseph is able to interpret that dream, and he becomes, amen, Pharaoh makes him the prime minister of Egypt. He's the second most powerful man of the nation. He's the man now in charge of everything. Literally, he's in charge of the entire kingdom, and that includes, remember Mr. Potiphar and Miss Potiphar? Remember Mrs. Potiphar? Well, he got her and threw her in a pond with alligators. No, that's not what happened, but... That's what I would have did in the alligator pond. But no, that's not. He, he didn't do any of that. But here's what I want to say to you. Where was the will of God? How is God with them? How did all this fit into the plan of God? And I want to read a verse of scripture to you that I think could help you. In Habakkuk chapter 2, it says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but it speaks of the end, and it does not lie. If it delays, wait for it. It will surely come what? It will not delay. So the Bible's telling us that the vision is for an appointed time. It didn't tell us what time it's appointed, but it does tell us it's an appointed time. God knows when it's the appointed time, we don't. God knows when that word will be fulfilled. It may be longer than you think. The vision may delay, but wait for it. It's going to come right on time. Can you say amen? 
It says, it speaks and it doesn't lie. From our perspective, it does delay. But from God's perspective, who's the pilot, it does not delay. From our perspective, it is lingering. But from God's perspective, it's right on time. Amen. It's not a waste of time. It's redeeming time. And God knows. Amen. It may seem long, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. It may seem long, but it doesn't mean it is wrong. God knows how to strategically place things in your life. He knows how to take the chess pieces of your life and strategically put them in the right place at the right time, even considering all your imperfections. Can I tell you, God will take the imperfections of your life, the imperfection decisions that you make, and even make them fit into the overall plan so that you don't ruin your destiny because God is in charge. He is large and in charge. See, I'm reminded of the prodigal son. How many remember that story? He, he gets his father's inheritance and he goes down to Vegas and, and gambles it all and he loses it all. He's sleeping with prophecy. He comes back. He's got nothing left. He's been feeding pigs. And the Bible says he's come back. He, the Bible says he took all of his father's goods. And when he comes back, he's ready to be a servant. But what did the, the father's waiting for him? Thank God for the love of God. And the father embraces him. And not only did he embrace him, but he has some more stuff to give him. He said, put a robe on him, put shoes on his feet, and put a ring on his finger. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he has found amazing grace. Hallelujah. Which means our father still loves us. He has enough in store for us to cover us twice. So when you think you blew it, when you think it's depleted, when you think you used up all of God's love and his resources, I'm here to tell you, God can provide for you. God can restore you. See, God knew, listen to me, God knew you were going to go through a silly season in your life. He knew, friend, uh, he kept some things in store for you so when you get out of the silly season that you've been in, uh, that he could put the robe on you, he could put the ring on you. Uh, and friend, how many are grateful that God didn't give you everything in your silly season, uh, but God waited for you to get out of your silly season uh, so that he could bless you and he could provide for you uh, because many times, amen, we think, uh, man, God doesn't have anything left. I'm here to tell you, God, God has above his grace is above and beyond but God is waiting for the silly season to get out of you see how do you know you you got to admit that you've had one in order to be grateful for one can you say amen and see when God gets that out of you he said now I can trust you with influence now I can trust you with responsibility you thought it was the delay but I was waiting for some maturity and development can you say amen? How many thank God today that the Lord didn't give you what you thought you needed when you wanted it? Can you say amen? But God said, I'm waiting. I'm going to bless you later because uh, you still got some silly things in your life. There's some, some things that I need to work out in your life before I can bless you. Uh, and it's what we call the middle season. See, we like the beginning of the season. When we read the story of Joseph, we like the beginning. We like the dream. And we like the end of the story. We like the fulfillment of the dream. You know what most of us struggle with? The middle season. Tell someone, say, the middle season. Man, that's where we struggle the most, right there. 
It's that season where, man, what's going on? Because, see, there's a time of revelation. There's a season of revelation, and then there's a season of demonstration or manifestation. Did you hear me? It's a season when you see what you're supposed to be doing, but you don't actually, you're not actually living in it yet. It's that middle season. There's a time between a time when a dream is uh, revealed and when a time a dream is fulfilled. And it's that middle season that God is working. We like the season of announcement. We like the season of fulfillment. What we don't like is that middle season. When God is saying, I'm still working through your life. There are still things in your life that I need to work out. Uh, It's almost like it seems the best way. It's like God is teasing us to a degree. We're saying, God, I know I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not where I need to be or I'm supposed to be. What is going on? And God said, I'm working in your life. There are some things I need to get you to a place of maturity that you're not ready for yet. I thought about Joseph and how he's working in Potiphar's house. I'm sure by the time he got to Potiphar's house, he said, okay, now this dream is going to be fulfilled. Now I've got some authority. And yet, lo and behold, this woman, this cougar shows up going after him, right? And the problem, amen, you start thinking, Lord, what happened? I thought I was in the middle. I was moving toward the end to fulfill the call of God. And very often, man, when we talk about Joseph, we talk about the beginning, we talk about the end, but we don't talk about the middle. And here's the honest truth I want to tell you. When Joseph received the dream, they said he was about 17 years old. So we find Joseph around 17 years old. He's thrown in a pit and then sold into slavery And in Genesis chapter 41, he starts working for Pharaoh. You know how old he is now? He's 30 years old. So 13 years have passed from the time he had the dream to the time that he's fulfilling the dream. Because many times we think, well, it's so long, it has to be wrong. No, it's God's timing. And it didn't come to pass till he was 30 years old. Now, I want to say this to you. If I could use this as an analogy, if I could use the, the years of 17 years old as spiritual age rather than the physical age. See, God may assign certain things in our life at a certain spiritual age, but it's not till you get to a certain spiritual age in order to fulfill it. Because there are times that God is trying to develop you. If I could use that as a metaphor, God is trying to uh, develop you. And we may be upset. It's not happening right now. I'm a little confused. Why did it happen? I'm not saying it's going to take 13 years. I'm not going to say it's going to take 13 months, 13 weeks, 13 hours. What I'm saying to you is there are times certain aspects uh, take longer because God is working some things out in your life. If Joseph gets to be the prime minister in chapter 41 at 17, guess what? Joseph could be crushed by being the prime minister at 17 years old. He wasn't ready for that yet. God was preparing him. God was working some things out. Sometimes the time and space is for your benefit. If you don't use the time wisely to prepare, you're going to miss what God has. Again, the boy at 17 is not ready to be prime minister of Egypt. There are some things he had to have maturity in order to deal with his brothers later. Can you say amen? See, at 17, he was discerning the dream correctly, but he was not interpreting the dream accurately. 
I'm going to say that again. He discerned it correctly, but did not interpret it accurately because there was some time between the dream being revealed and the dream being fulfilled. By the time he got the 30, he was able to see that this dream was never about him. See, when you're 17, you think everything is about you. And I say 17, spiritual time, spiritual age. Are you with me? Some of us this morning, when it comes to our level of maturity in our spiritual walk with God, we're still 17 years old. We're not developed in the word. We're not developed in wisdom. We're not developed in prayer. You're still 17 years old. And when you dream while you're spiritually immature, dreams are about you all the time and about your promotion and about your elevation. And God is saying, I can't bring you into this dream yet because you're going to execute it wrong. I can't bring you into this place yet because you're interpreting it wrong, not right. You discerned it right, but you're interpreting it wrong. God's giving you space to mature so in that way you can process it accurately. He says, I'm getting ready to give you influence, but I'm not ready to elevate you there because spiritually you're not mature enough. All of us, man, we want this. I want ministry now. You're not mature enough yet. You're not ready for that. You know, I'm not impressed when people can tell me what God is going to do in their life. I'm not impressed. They say, well, God's going to do all this. I'm, I'm impressed when they can tell me why God is going to do it in their life. Because usually what God is doing, it's all about them. But when they can tell me why, they say, you know, the why God is going to bless me, why God's going to do it, so I can bless others, so I can minister to others, so I can see other lives change. It's not about them. Let's say that the dream was fulfilled at 18 years old. He dreamed it at 17. He's now 18 years old. Uh, he's now went through all of this. He's the prime minister of Egypt uh, from 17 to 18. I don't believe he would have been ready to forgive his brothers a year later. I don't believe there was, I think there were still some things in life that needed to get out of his life. How many of you can say, say amen to that? I don't think he would have been ready at 20 years old. I don't think he would have been ready at 22 or 23 or 25 years old. I don't think he would have said, God, you know, the enemy meant it for evil and God meant it for good at 26 years old. Sometimes God has to put some time between the revelation and the demonstration. You know why? Because sometimes God has to help the people or the people that you're about to help. They haven't grown up enough and matured enough yet so that they can love you in return and you can love them. God's preparing some people that you're supposed to help to get to a place of maturity where they can accept you. Are you with me? And they can get to a place of maturity where you can help them. And then you can get some of your own pettiness out of your life. Are you with me? Because all of us have it. Let's just be honest. And so he was not only supposed to help his own family, but guess what? He was helping two nations. The Bible says he provided for all of Egypt. And he was providing for the future of Israel. And he was going to help the people that had hurt him, his own brothers. But it needed some time to process it. So we can manage the middle season well. Then God can trust us with more influence and more responsibility. We see a lot of people, they want all this influence. They want, but they haven't even learned how to pay their own bills yet. 
They haven't even learned how to hold a job yet. I want all these influence, all these people, but learn how to work a job first. Learn how to submit to a, a person, you know, your supervisor. I, I remember I had a young man here. He wanted to do all kinds of things for God, but he kept quitting jobs. I find his wife said, my, my husband keeps quitting jobs. I said, why? And so I finally asked him, I said, bro, I mean, I want to see God moving. Your... He goes, yeah, well, that supervisor got on my case. Guess what? That's working a job, buddy. That's working for a supervisor. Oh, yeah, but I don't like what he said. Too bad. I need you to pay your bills. I need you to work a job and submit under that guy. Are you with me? I don't quit the job. They got on my case. Guess what? That's, you, maybe you needed it. Maybe you're more lazier than you think you are. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're saying anything out there. Maybe you need to learn how to treat your family right and your wife right before you get all this influence. God's saying, maybe there's some stuff that is so recent in your life. I need to give it some time to heal so that people can, can be ready to accept. Sometimes, can I tell you something? There needs to be a time between your, your, your old season and your new season. Look at what the Bible says. I love what it says, Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Sometimes God has to take some time, not just because he's working on you, but could it be that God's working on your enemies, that those that have been talking about you and God's preparing them to shut their mouth because they could jeopardize your call because they got some stuff on you. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's family, sometimes people you did things to, and they're not ready. So that's why you haven't got to a place of, mature, uh, place of influence yet. God's working on them. So when you get elevated to that place, they say, I'm good with that. I'm all right. Oh, come on now. The delay is for your development. See, here's a couple of things. Write this down. D Joseph had ethics. Say ethics. What made him be able to fulfill the call of God is he had ethics. Now, what is ethics? It's doing what is right, knowing what's right and what's wrong. It's principles and values of moral values, moral righteousness. And sometimes, again, I don't expect perfection in people, but I do people, at least I expect people not to be shady. Do you not, how many of us don't want to deal with shady people, man? I want to deal with somebody with that ethical. When you start dealing with shady people, it gets too murky, man. You, you, need, you need to learn some principles. You need to learn some ethics in your life. You're just too shady. So Je Joseph runs into an incident with Potiphar's wife, and he's able to run at 17 because the man has some ethics, even as a young man. Now, I don't know most 17-year-olds that are running from that. They're usually running to that. Are you with me? But at 17 years old, this young man had enough ethics to say, I won't sin against my master and I won't sin against God. You be, you're my master's wife. You're not mine. I'm not doing it. And he gets so mature. He has so, uh, so many ethics in his life that he runs from that woman. How many 17 would run from a woman like that? Let's just be honest. He could be trusted with elevation because he had some ethics. He could be trusted to be promoted because he had some ethics. Maybe God's not promoting you because you're not that ethical. Maybe there's some things that God still needs to work in your life in order to get you to a place of promotion. Oh, hallelujah.
I think I better move on. You guys are getting mad at me. See, oftentimes, if you compromise your ethics to achieve your dream, your dream will eventually become a nightmare. If you compromise your ethics to achieve your dream, your dream will eventually become a nightmare. If we're doing things wrong, we're doing things unethical, we're doing things, friend, that are shady, I want you to know you may fulfill the dream, but it's going to end up being a nightmare because what gives you distinctive, what gives you who you really are, are your ethics and principles. Your values tell us who you really are. You can work in the same job doing the same thing everybody else is doing at that job, but what separates you from everybody else is your ethics and your values. They can see the difference. You can live in the same community, the same city, the same country, but we can all have different values. And when you lose your values, you lose yourself. And I've seen lots of people, man, they lose themselves. And when you lose yourself, you'll never be satisfied. You'll never have enough cars. You'll never have enough money. You'll never do any of these things because, friend, you have no ethics about your life. And when you lose yourself, your dream becomes a nightmare, and you'll be miserable. The Bible says in Mark 8, 36, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his own soul? When you lose yourself, no car, no achievement will bring satisfaction to your life. This is why we need to be ethical. We need to have ethics in our faith. We need to have ethics in our walk with God. Don't sell out for cheap stuff. Don't sell out your faith for cheap stuff. There are ethics about my preaching. I'm going to just be honest with you this morning. You're hearing it. I'm not going to preach a bubblegum gospel. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to preach a feel-good gospel. I'm just not going to do it. There's ethics about my preaching that, yeah, I'm going to make you laugh. We're going to have a great time, but I'm going to preach some truth, and I'm going to step on your toes a little bit because we need God to change us. I don't want to give you information. I want transformation. And you're never going to be transformed unless someone's willing to tell you the truth, not what you want to hear. If you only wanted what you want to hear, then go listen on the radio. But here, I'm, going to look at, I'm not going to preach a bubblegum gospel. I'm going to preach the word of God to you. And I'm going to challenge you because God's word challenges us. Can you say amen? And it is ethical. Amen. And the word of God is true, and it changes us. The second thing, are you ready for this? He did things with excellence. When you first meet Joseph, he's dreaming dreams. But by the time he's 30, he's interpreting dreams. Because that man started developing. Because we see the maturity. We see the ethics in his life. We see that he's getting things in order. All of those things, events that have happened in his life, men have matured him, have made him more effective for the kingdom of God. When you are just stuck on a dream, but you've not developed anything, you're not going to be relevant when it comes time when Pharaoh calls you up. You're not going to be relevant because you have not developed anything. You've not begun to do things with excellence and a good heart. We see a young man, an immature young man at 17, but we see a leader by the time he's 30. And he's running an entire economy. He's in charge of Egypt, the nation of Egypt, the richest nation during that. It's a billion-dollar economy, but he didn't even go to business school. 
He's in charge, man. He's telling them, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to provide. This is how we're going to make it through the seven years of famine. We're going to save some. Uh, uh, we're going to save some during prosperity. That, that's why, that's when famine comes, uh, where you'll have some money left. We're not going to spend the stimulus all in one place, are we? We're going to save some of that money, right? So then, then we can have some later. Christian, you need to learn how to save money, right? You need to learn how to spend money, and you need to learn how to give money. You got to do all those three. We have a lot of spenders, but no savers. We got a lot of savers, but no givers. You'll never develop and be the man of God. You'll never be where God wants you to be if you don't learn those concepts. And the third thing, are you ready for this? Joseph had endurance. You're in a pit. You, get, you end up in prison. I don't care how saved you are. Let me see. You're in a pit. You go to slavery. You end up in prison. I don't care how saved you are. You're wondering, God, this sucks. Am I right? Man, I've been doing all this stuff. Makes you want to quit. Let's be honest. Makes you want to just give up. And let's, let's be honest. The only reason why he's in prison is because he's ethical. He wouldn't sleep with that woman. He wasn't going to go to bed with her. So he took a stand, and he's honestly, you know, one of the, I know every prisoner said I didn't do it, but this guy really didn't do it, and he had endurance. He outlived the pit, he outlived the prison, and made it a pathway to the palace, hallelujah. But his refusal, listen to me, his refusal not to give up, not to give up on God, made him and prepared him ready so when Pharaoh called for him, do you think it was a coincidence that he had been dreaming from the time he was 17? He ends up in prison. Two guys are dreaming, and two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. Do you think that's a coincidence? No. And he doesn't even realize. Now, two years he's in prison. The guy forgot about him, but he doesn't realize while he's there enduring, they're talking and having a conversation about him in the palace. How do you know there's not conversation about you? God's getting ready to promote you. There may be conversation about you in the front office, and you're getting all mad, man, I'm not getting promoted. How do you know the boss has been talking about you in the front office? How do you know there aren't people higher up talking about you? How do you know? Man, pastor, does he just overlooks me. How do you know there's not a conversation your pastor's talking about you right here in this church, how God's going to get ready to work for you and do something in your life? You're mad. I'm overlooked. I don't get to do anything. And there's conversation going on. Why? Because you're mature enough now. You're ready now. God's ready to elevate you now. God's ready to promote you. But if you don't endure and you get mad and you get bitter, you're going to miss your moment. Thank God he didn't get fatigued. Thank God he didn't turn it all down. See, sometimes what you see determines or what, what, where you sit determines what you see. You got you to gotta stop looking from the lower level, and you got to get a little higher. Can you say amen? So, again, where you sit determines what you see, and what you see, guess what? It's what you do. So you need to get a different perspective. I said earlier, what if you really believed that God was with you no matter what was going on in your life? If you really believed it. Even in your downtime, even in your, your chaos, even when you don't know, you just... just God's with me. He's got this. 
If you really believed it, how would it change your attitude? How would it change your perspective? How would it change your decision-making if you really believe God is with you? I'll tell you what, God can do a lot of things. I'll, I'll share this story, and I'm going to close in just a moment. But there was a time I was working a job, I remember, and I started sharing and witnessing to the supervisor. Little did I know, he hated Christianity. So the moment I realized, oh my gosh, I'm sharing my faith with this guy, this guy is mad. He's angry. So I remember working in this job, working in this office, and he didn't like me. You ever just work in an office where you just tell the vibes? The vibes were there. He didn't like me. And, I, and there were these vibes, man. I was like, oh, my gosh. So this, that's when you say, I shouldn't have said anything, right? But I, I just kept sharing the gospel. And I remember, you know, uh, it seemed like I just kept working faithfully like I could work. But there was a, a guy there. He was in charge of some things that I would do, and, and he kind of kept track of everything. He kept track of all the jobs and everything we were doing at the time. And, and he just liked me. This guy just liked me. I share the gospel with him all the time. He just liked me. So one day, that guy and the supervisor were talking. And I didn't know this, but this guy that liked me started telling the supervisor, hey, you know all of these jobs? He goes, uh, this is Omar's stack, and this is these other three guys' stack. And he goes, what? He goes, yeah, this is Omar's stack, and this is the other three guys' stack. And he says, let me look at that. And he started looking at that. Guess what? Next day when I showed up the next morning, I had the favor of God. Amen. All of a sudden, the attitude of that supervisor changed. I was like his favorite employee. I don't know what happened. And I was like, man, this is a strange thing going on around here. What happened? And he started saying, hey, you know what is it? Hey, hey I'd like to have breakfast with you. I like them. I go, breakfast with me? You, you don't even like me. Little did I know, a week later, that young guy told me, hey, I told him what you were doing. And that's why he changed that to the favor of God. See, you don't have any idea. But could it be that God was molding my life through all that so I wouldn't get bitter, I'd get better? Could it be that God was saying, hey, will you be faithful even though they don't like you? Will you do your job even better, even though they don't appreciate it? The Bible says this at the end of the story. We can have the worship team come up. This is Joseph, and look at what he said. He tells this to his, his brothers at the end. Genesis 45, verse 5, he said, Don't be distressed or angry with yourself because you sold me here. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth. And to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here. But who was it? It was God. All of that process. Joseph at 17 wouldn't have been able to say that. But later on in his life at 30, he's saying, it was God that put me here. It was never about me. It was about you guys. The dream was never about my promotion. It was about serving and preserving your lives. That's a man that can be trusted. That's a man that had gone through the process and said, God is with me. Let's bow our heads in reverence to the Lord. Holy Spirit, help us today. We thank you, God, for grace. Lord, we just can't do it without you. Lord, we, 
We can't even understand life. We can't even understand all that happened in our life today if it wasn't for you. God, we believe you are with us. Oh, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God, we just hold on to that promise that no matter what's happening in our lives, God, even when we don't understand it, even when we don't see it, you're working. You're doing something. God, by your spirit, you're arranging things for our favor. We just believe that. And even when it's long, it doesn't mean it's wrong. But God, you are doing something supernaturally. And it could be, God, you're preparing us. It could be you're preparing others. So when that moment comes, it'll be your time. It'll be your appointed time. Thank you, Lord. And so if you're in this place right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, can I tell you, every one of us is going to have an appointment with God. One day you're going to stand before God. Are you ready? Are you ready to stand before your maker today? Because we're all going to stand before the throne of God, the Bible says. And God's going to look at our hearts. He's going to see whether or not you surrendered your life to him. See, the Bible says we're all sinners. I got to share this truth with you. We're all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. None. There's none righteous. Not even one person. Not even. We all fall short of the glory of God. Bible says the wages of our sin is death. That's where sin takes us, destroys us. But the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus came that you can have life. He came that you can have eternal life. That he, he came that he can forgive you of your sins. And you can get a ch second chance today. So I'm telling you right now, this is your moment to get right with God. This is your time to give your life to Jesus right now, this moment. And I'm going to give an opportunity. If you're sitting in this room right now, you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I've never given my life to Jesus. I need the Lord in my life. Be honest with yourself. You need God. If you've never asked him in your life, you need him today. Doesn't matter what walk of life you come from, where you grew up, who you are, God loves you. And he's wanting today to come into your life, forgive you of your sin. But you have to be honest today with God. Be truthful. Say, so, you know, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life right now. If that's you, real quick, every head bowed, every eye closed, just raise your hand. Say, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me? Raise your hand real quick. This gentleman here, another person, a few gentlemen over here. God bless you guys, man. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down, guys. Thank you. Anybody else? Several people already, several men right now, they just raised their hand. Who else? You say, you know what? I need the Lord in my life right now. This is your moment. Raise your hand. Who are you? Raise your hand. There's somebody else? Somebody down here. God bless you. Young man here in the middle. God bless you. Who else? Young lady here. Thank you. Could it be your divine appointment? Could be to all the stuff you're going through is leading to this moment right now where you're sitting. And God's saying, see, all the stuff you're going through, I'm the answer you're looking for. It's leading to this moment right now. And you can get right with God. Raise your hand if you don't know him right now. Say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. Raise your hand up real quick. Say, that's me, that's me. Maybe you were once walking with God, but you're away from God. You need to come back home. The Father is waiting to give you a robe. He's waiting to put a ring on your finger. He's putting, waiting to put shoes on your feet. 
You're away from God. You know exactly what I'm talking. You need to come back home right now. The Father has been waiting for you. Raise your hand. Who are you right now? I said, Pastor, that's me. I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. Who are you? Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand all over this room, all over this room. Thank you. Somebody else, God bless you. Young lady here, God bless you. Thank you. Who else? Who else? See, God's dealing with people. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that deals with our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit that brings us to this moment. I didn't know you were going to be here. Thank you. Another one. God bless you. I didn't know you were going to be here. I didn't know you were going to show up today. Some, some of you, I don't even know who you are. But God knew. He had an appoint, appointed time today. And some of you, you really needed to hear this message. And it's for you right now. Raise your hand. Say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. If, that, if you haven't raised your hand, say, that's me. That's me. Okay, this is what I want you guys to do, okay? You raise your hand. Look up at me real quick. You guys mean that? You guys mean that over there? You guys mean that? You mean that? Okay, do me a favor. Get, get up and come meet me right here. Come and stand right here in front of me. Several people coming. You're not going to come along. Come on. The young lady over here. Come on. Give these people a hand, man. God bless you. Give these people a hand. Anybody else? Come. You're not, just stand right here. God bless you guys. Thank you for coming. God bless you guys. Amen. If the Rams hat, that's okay. I forgive you, brother. No, I love you, man. L.A., there you go. God bless you. I'm my L.A. guy, all right? I love L.A. Not the Rams, but I love L.A., okay? God bless you. No, it's good, brother. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Just come. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you today. I don't want you to miss your moment. I'm honored to be able to pray for you that responded. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer to me. It's a prayer to God. I'll give you the word, but you need to mean it from your heart. Okay? You say it from your heart. Say it to God, not to me. So why don't we close our eyes and bow our heads for just a moment. And I'm going to give you the words to this prayer. Mean it from your heart and say it to the Lord. In fact, speak it out. Don't just say it in your mind. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and you rose again. I ask you, Lord to come in my heart to forgive me of all my sins. Change my life. Make me a new person. I will serve you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray for them. Father, right now, let the Holy Spirit come. Let the love of God flow through their lives today. And God, you love them. It, it's such a time as if this is the appointed time. This is the moment, God, that you brought them here today. I pray, Holy Spirit, meet with them right now. Let the love of God, let the forgiveness of God flood their mind, flood their soul. And God, I pray your presence would help them today. Let them know you care about them, Lord. We thank you for their lives today. Lord, we pray for your strength. Keep praying for them. Why don't we stand together out there? We're going to sing a worship song. But perhaps you want to come right now to this altar. Perhaps you're going through things. You're in a season. Maybe you're in that middle season. And you're saying, man, I don't get it. I'm just here to tell you, God is with you. The Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. If we really believe that, then no matter what's happening in our lives, God will help us navigate through it right now. Just come. Let's worship. Lead us in worship. Come on.
Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.